You're listening to the Bookkeepers Podcast with the 6FB, the weekly podcast for bookkeepers. Every week, we'll be talking about what's new in the bookkeeping world. And here are your hosts and founders of the Six Figure Bookkeeper, Joe Wood and Zoe Whitman. Hi, and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman, and I'm in Bristol, and I'm joined by Joe Wood in Kent. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, Zoe. I'm good. It finally snowed here in Kent at long last. I've been fed up with looking at everybody else's photos and pictures of the fun in the snow and so have my kids but yeah it's finally snowed and apparently tomorrow it's going to be minus eight here so um, we are preparing for the cold um, but yeah and it definitely feels like it's dropped even now heating on full blast isn't really keeping us warm so yeah I've taken your advice and bought a woolly hat so that if ever I get too cold I'll stick that on. <laughs> Good plan. Um, well, we haven't had any snow here today, so um, let, maybe we'll get some in the next couple of days. Kids will love it. Um, well, today we are delighted to be joined by Suzanne Dibble. Suzanne is a legal expert and she's going to come and talk to us about what bookkeepers need to know about law, keeping on the right side of the law, I was going to say, but um, everything that bookkeepers need to know and all those kind of uncomfortable questions I suppose we have about whether we're doing things properly um, before I get into that though let me just tell you a bit about how you can find out about us and how you can connect with us um, join us in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club on Facebook and you can find out about the courses and programs we're running for bookkeepers over at sixfigurebookkeeper.com so Suzanne nice to see you here how are you yes I'm very good thank you I was just glancing outside then because I thought gosh if we had any snow today um, I think we had a few flakes earlier. My kids are extremely excited about it. So they, they keep disappearing outside. It's, it's gone seven o'clock at night when it's absolutely freezing and staying out there for hours without seemingly many clothes on. My <laughs> husband is supposed to be supervising it, so I'm, I'm sure they're not getting frostbite or anything like that. But, um, but ha- yes, I, you know, the first sign of it being cold, and like, I'm like you with my hat on by the fire. So... Uh, I think that's something that changes when you, you know, when you're very young, you love the cold. And now, no, give me my arga in a fire any day. <laughs> I think Joe and I have been joking this week. So, like, I've been here with, like, my hat on and I've got a blanket and a hot water bottle. But I think that's the way to go, isn't it? Um, Suzanne, I wonder whether you want to start by telling people a little bit about what you do. I think the first time I came across you, you were on maybe Janet Murray's podcast years ago when GDPR was all kicking off. I think that might have been the first time. I um, about that, and um, yeah. because I've reconnected with her on Clubhouse, I knew I knew her from somewhere. Maybe she's been too polite to say, "Actually, you did a podcast with me." But it was crazy back in those days of GDPR coming into force. I was doing five interviews a day for you know for wow. months, so it all, all was a bit hazy around that time. Because um, you had a Facebook group and you were doing like a daily video, weren't you, about it? Yeah, so we grew that Facebook group to about forty thousand people. And um, then I was doing a live, well, I I posted a video a day, but I was also doing live Q&As. And we were getting, you know, thousands of people on those live Q&As every day in the run-up to it coming into force. I have to say, I've never seen a time when people were more excited, well, excited is probably the wrong word, more um, caring about a regulation coming into force. And that's obviously because the media really amped it up and said, you know, it was 20 million fines and this, that and the other. So it was actually... For a lawyer, it was actually quite an exciting period of time, I have to say. Um, so the GDPR Ferrari has died down now. And obviously, yeah. I still do help people with that. And obviously, the GDPR and data protection is very much something that bookkeepers need to think about. So I'm sure we'll cover that as, as we go through this. Um, but now, I mean, the main thing that I do and that I have been doing for the last 10 years since I left um, 
big city law firm doing mergers and acquisitions is I um, created a membership site and online course that really seeks to educate small online business owners about how to protect themselves and then gives them all the resources that they need in order to do that. So all the legal template documents that they need, uh, training videos, checklists, that kind of thing. And um, we call it the Small Business Legal Academy. So that's what I've been doing for pretty much the past 10 years is um, helping people. And we've helped, I think, you know, certainly over the 10,000 10, members have gone through that over the years. And we've, you know, we've had a brilliant feedback. We've won a Law Society Award. We surveyed our members and 100% said they would recommend it. So we're very proud of what we've achieved and how we've been able to help small business owners who a lot of a lot of times just don't know where to turn, quite frankly, because they perceive it as it's just too expensive or too difficult uh, to get legal support, or they don't know who to go to, etc. Absolutely, and it's and it's one of these things that when you um, a bit it, actually the law side of things and the bookkeeping side of things for small business owners can create the same kind of fear. You know, they we, with us with that we're helping them with HMRC and with you with the the um, data uh, protection and they they always think the worst. So the first question I have is if a bookkeeper was to just completely ignore everything and do things really wrong what is kind of like the worst case scenario that can happen if you do not think about um data protection and gdpr and all these legal things i think if we go to the worst case then we can work our way back and start thinking what can we do to not get there the worst case actually is they could go to prison you know if they're not following the money laundering compliance obligations then that does carry a you know, a custodial sentence. So that is absolutely uh, the worst case scenario. Um, other than that, um, in terms of more of the the business side of it, rather than the regulatory framework that goes around it, really the, the thing you've got to be looking at is, is liability. And that's either personal liability, or if you've set up a, a company, then that liability will stay within the company. Um, so the first thing I would say is, you know, if, if, bookkeepers are set up as a sole trader, they need to think really carefully about liability issues and whether they should in fact incorporate as a limited company. Because obviously the distinction is, if you have, if you're a bookkeeper and you're a sole trader or even a partner, so something that isn't a, a, a company or a corporate vehicle that's got its own separate legal personality, then you are personally liable. And that means if something goes wrong, if you get sued for negligence and, and for some reason there's an exclusion in your insurance or something like that, then you are personally liable. And depending on the scope of that liability, you know, people, you, you can get a judgment entered against you and literally you can have bailiffs on the doorstep seizing your car um, and, and other assets to satisfy that, um, that judgment. So that's the first thing to think very carefully about is, is liability. Now, obviously, in the in a book in the bookkeeping world, the main liability is going to be negligence. Um, so that can be covered off in a number of ways. Number one, I would always recommend for this type of work trading through a limited company. Number two, obviously, insurance absolutely essential to get professional indemnity insurance. It's not a legal requirement, but I think you would be uh, it, it would be very wise to get it. And then the third thing is, is to have really robust terms and conditions in place that limit your liability as much as is possible in the confines of the law. So those three things are what every 
every business owner, really, whether you're a bookkeeper or not, those are the three things that you should be thinking about in terms of limiting uh, your liability. And, and, you know, so worst case scenario, you give some, um, you're, you're doing the bookkeeping, you, you do something wrong, it causes big tax problems for your, um, your client, um, and it's proven that you were negligent. Um, the insurance, for some reason, doesn't pay out. And, and don't forget that even if the insurance does pay out, then you've got to think about things like there might be an excess or um, your premiums are likely to go up the following year. If you claim on it, it's going to be a claim that you're going to have to divulge every time you go for um, you know, the, the annual renewal of your insurance. So it has a real, really big knock on of that. Um, so, yeah, so those are those are the key consideration. I mean, obviously, the thing to do is not to be negligent. So not take on any work that is stretching your comfort zone in some way. Be very clear about the fact that, you know, in your terms of business, have a list of exclusions. This is not financial advice. This is not tax advice. This is not legal advice. This is not this, that and the other. And no matter how much a client says, oh, can you just help me with that? You know, you have to stay in the realms of what you know that you can be very competent in. Um, yeah. So that's... That, Sorry, go on, Sorry. go ahead. <laughs> no, I was I was gonna say it's it's very um yeah, that's that's great advice because it's these those three things are very clear. And also you need to register with the ICO. Is that another thing that you'd you oh, well, need yes, to do? I'll, I'll come on to that. So just talking about okay. purely liability at the moment. Just liability. Yes, we'll, we'll come on to GDPR in a bit. Yeah. Okay. So with regards to liability, um, I always get a little bit confused about public liability insurance. Now, when I used to yeah. have office premises and I used to have people turning up I, I very much thought okay I need public liability I have actually got it now but even though I work from home virtually and I don't see anybody because I wasn't sure and so is that something you could yeah. cover yes absolutely and again so public liability isn't mandatory but it's very sensible if indeed you do have an office premises or if you're going to exhibitions or anywhere where the public could um there could be some harm or, or danger or um, injury to the public because of you and your equipment. Um, so if you're hosting an event, for example, um, or you're in an, an ex exhibition and you leave your cables unsecured, somebody trips over them and bashes their head on something and dies or whatever, then obviously that's when it's key to have that kind of insurance. And even though you might not need it at the moment, Joe, I would say that if you do get a, um, you know, a, a package of insurance it probably doesn't add that much to your premium i think if you if you separated it all out it probably wouldn't be that much um so yes you could have phoned them up and said i'm in lockdown you know can you suspend that part for a bit or think about not renewing it on the next renewal but i think you know for most business owners they're just maintaining that as a general package of insurance the only insurance that is actually legally required is employers liability insurance so if you are employing somebody as an actual employee, I don't mean an outsourcer or you know freelancer or whatever else, but an actual employee, then you need to have employer's liability insurance. Cool. Oh my goodness. I, I, there, there are so many things there. And I think we're going to have loads of bookkeepers watching those feeling absolutely terrified that someone's going to like die in their office. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, this is where scenario obviously but you know it is a good idea to make sure that your cables are all secured if you're at an exhibition or if you've got a you know one of those pop-up stands that is not going to fall over and bash somebody on the head you know because these things you know can and do happen so 
Um, but, you know, the, the premium for public liability insurance is, is not going to be huge for most bookkeepers. So it's, it's an easy thing to fix. Just make sure you've got that insurance in place. It's really yeah, and a couple of, oh, sorry, a couple of the professional bodies as well make you provi um, provide your professional indemnity insurance. So I thought that was a legal requirement because my, my professional body always say, right, that I need to have your professional indemnity before we will give you your practicing license. It's a good point. You might need to provide it for a for a, an industry regulatory body, but across the board, it's not a legal requirement. Yeah. So something I was just going back to the point on limited companies. This is really interesting. Um, you know, one of the most simple things you can do is register a limited company to protect yourself. And we talk about bookkeep. We talk to bookkeepers a lot about um, thinking about what they want to do, what do they want to achieve with their business, and setting up the business so it's ready for growth. And Joe's going through this process now of moving from being a sole trader to a limited company and perhaps because uh well we, we kind of encourage people not to keep themselves small to like think about what they want their business to do but actually this is a whole this just adds a whole other level to that kind of conversation doesn't it about what you want to do with your business yeah i mean obviously there are some downsides of registering as a limited company um it adds an expense for sure because you're going to have to file accounts um, but, you know, if you're a small company and, and you're all bookkeepers, so you should should have an idea as to how to do that. I'm not I don't think necessarily you would need to hire an accountant to do that. So it's quite easy to file the the um, abbreviated small company accounts. And um, the other thing, obviously, is that it's, it's public public information. So once you've registered as a company, anybody can go online to Companies House website and download your your latest accounts and see information about you, which you might not want to do for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, I think uh, when you get above probably about 30,000, um, certainly profit, it might even be turnover, it's more tax efficient um, too, although it's, it's, it's decreasing over the years because they keep messing with the way that dividends are taxed, but it's still generally more tax efficient. And there's some great calculators online, actually. I haven't, I can't remember the link offhand, but if you, if you Google, um, a dividend and tax calculator or something like that and um, then it will show at what point it becomes more tax efficient to register as a limited company and like I say it's, it's around about 30,000 mark um, but yeah for that that element of limited liability that is you know I would absolutely incorporate because to, to incorporate a registered company you can do that for £4.99 online yeah and you don't into all of these expensive add-on packages um, that, you know, oh, you need your uh, your big leather-bound company register for £200. No, no, you really don't. You can keep that online. Um, or you need, you know, this uh, this company secretarial service or whatever. No, no, you don't need any of that. £4.99 to literally go online. You fill in a few details and you've got your company pretty much straight, you know, ready. ready. Um Suzanne, some, we have this question a lot, especially because our clients come to us asking us whether they should become limited and the bookkeepers do as well. And yes, we um, yeah, we, we, we definitely talk about the benefits. And like you say, the benefits are squeezing down over the years. But um, with regards to when you sign um, when you sign up for things, there's a, you've got to still be careful because of personal guarantees, haven't you? Even if you're a limited company you've still got to be careful what you're signing you don't always get away with it can you explain that a little bit more yeah so the only way that the liability would pass from the com within the company to you as a an individual is if you've offered a director's guarantee which 
I mean, I've been running a limited company now for 10 years. I've never been asked to give a director's guarantee. Really, that's only going to happen if you're dealing with a bank or something like that. Um, and then the other instance is wrongful trading, where as a director, you could have personal liability if you knew that the company was about to go insolvent and you carried on trading regardless of that knowledge or or actually, I think it's a reasonable person test. So if a reasonable person would have known that you were about to go bust, but you carried on trading, then that's called wrongful trading and directors can have personal liability for that. But those are really the only two two main circumstances where if you've got a limited company where the liability would pass through. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, we were talking about terms and conditions a while ago, and um, and I think this is something that bookkeepers find really difficult. So when we start out, we need to sort of send our engagement letters and our standard terms and all of that stuff. That's very overwhelming. And actually, from my point of view, uh, well, when it, when it was my when I was running my business and I wanted to start thinking about this, there were lots of templates online uh, issued by different professional bodies, and I was like, well, that isn't quite right. Maybe I can tweak that. And I found in the end, it was it just felt like such a mess that I got a lawyer involved to go through it with me. And I, I did pay quite a lot of money, actually, to know that it was right. Yeah. Um, do you think that bookkeepers should be engaging a legal professional or are they OK to look at templates? What would you suggest people do? Well, I, I mean, I, I sell templates. It's, it's really mostly what I do now because, um, you know, I, I have very few one to one clients these days. But I would always say if people can afford it and if you're particularly risk averse, then absolutely get a lawyer to draft them for you um, because that's your absolute protection. If the lawyer messes up on the drafting and doesn't cover you off in some way, then you've always got a claim against the law firm, although obviously that's quite tricky, time consuming and costly, etc. But and plus, we're, we're, we're as a solicitor, you know, I'm I'm a member of, of the Law Society and, and, you know, we have very strict rules about professional standards and things like that. So. So, yeah, I mean, going to a solicitor is absolutely the best thing to do. However, like you say, it is expensive. And the reason that I set up my Small Business Legal Academy is that at the time, about 10 years ago, there were a lot of these template sites springing up, but they were faceless. You didn't know who was behind them. And the regulation is such that as a solicitor, somebody who's done a law degree, been to law school, and trained at the top um, top law firm in the world for two years, and then practiced as a lawyer for 20 years. I'm, I'm regulated to the nth degree, but anybody without any legal qualifications or experience can go and set up a, a site selling legal templates. It's just, it's crazy. So I looked into a few of these template sites because I was getting lots of clients coming to me and saying, I bought this template to do X, but I can't really work out how to use it. Can you help me? And I'd have a look at the template and I'd say, well, from what you've described to me as to why you've got the template, it's completely the wrong template for what you need it to do. And when I actually looked at these templates, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, the, some of it was just blatantly wrong. And they'd missed an awful lot of, of things out of there. So I thought, gosh, there's got to be a better way for small business owners who haven't got or perceive that they haven't got the budget to go and consult a lawyer on a one to one basis with these really poor template sites that were springing up. And, and what I tried to do was produce this hybrid solution, which is where obviously they've got, I, I've created all of those documents, so they've got the benefit of my top level legal experience, but also very much holding the hand around it as much as I can on a one-to-many basis. So we have checklists, we've got a legal audit that directs you to exactly the right type of legal document that you need. 
Uh, we've got over 120 video trainings on everything that I can think of that's going to help small business owners. And we do regular ongoing trainings for new areas of law or you know things that come up. And um, we've got a Facebook group. So all of that kind of extra support means that I can still help people on a one-to-many basis and help more people. And obviously also charge a lot less on an individual basis because it's the one-to-many model. So, so yeah, so I would always say, best case is if you've got the money absolutely go and get a lawyer to draft your terms um be i would say treat the treat the template sites where you don't know about who's created them with caution because there are some very poor ones out there um and i would say you know probably the best solution for everybody is my middle ground but i mean in all seriousness if you're a bookkeeper it's a pretty standard business unless you're doing something I can't even think what might be unique for bookkeepers, you know. Um, maybe maybe there are a few tweaks that I'm not aware of, but I think generally that's that's quite a, you know, what you're dealing with in that kind of business. So I would say that a template, if it's a good template um, and not one that's going to confuse you or, you know, or make you have lots of questions about what you do with it. And that's what we're really keen to do with our templates. We have thorough guidance notes all the way through them, plus video ex- explanation guides. Um, then yeah, so I think um, if you get the right template, it's fine. But always go to a lawyer if you've got the money. It's really interesting because there was just taking it back to like from a bookkeeping point of view. We had a conversation in our Facebook group the other day, and somebody was saying, uh, I don't know, they were quoting to a client, and they were, the client was like, "I want to do all my own bookkeeping in zero. I just want you to review it. I think so that they could just tell them it was right." And I can just imagine you on your end just going through some awful template where someone said, "I just want to do it all myself," and then you just to say oh, it's okay. <laughs> doesn't I, work like that. Yeah, it? I really hate that when, and I do get it quite a bit. A client will, or a potential client will come to me and they say. I've put this together myself. Can you just tweak it for me? No, 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 no. It's much, much, much easier for me to start from my templates that I've developed over 20 years that I know cover absolutely everything and are, and are absolutely right than to try and work out what you're trying to say and then tweak the text to make it all make sense. So, so yes, yeah. So I, so I think we've covered, you know, terms and conditions, really, we, we need yeah, to come so and join you. We'll get on stage detection a bit, but so terms and conditions, three main things really that you're thinking about in there. Number one, liability, which we've already discussed. And the reason that it's important to either have a lawyer look at that or get a really good template is because if you just say, oh, I'm going to exclude all of my liability and don't go on to say something else, then that is ineffective and you don't have any limit at all on your liability. So you have to have a clause in there that says, words to the effect of, um, notwithstanding anything else in this contract, um, we do not attempt to limit or exclude any liability for personal injury or death due to our negligence or that of our agents, employees, officers, etc., or fraudulent misrepresentation, or, um, well, there's a couple of other things if you're selling goods, which isn't relevant here. But so there's, there's things that you just can't try to exclude by law. And if you haven't said that in the contract, then the whole exclusion clause is invalid. So that's another reason why you shouldn't just try and cobble your own terms together. Um, So that's limiting liability. And also insurers do often ask actually to see your terms of business to check that you have properly limited your liability. So that's one thing to think about. And then secondly, um, payment, obviously big issue getting paid. And that's where you're going to set that out is in your terms of business. You You need to be thinking about 
is it a retainer? If it's a retainer, then what happens to unused hours? Are they carried forward to the next month and then they expire or do they carry forward two months or that maybe they, they just expire and if you haven't used them in that month, then that's it. Um, think about overtime. If a client wants you to work through the night because they've missed a deadline or whatever, are you, you know, are you going to charge an extra 50% on your usual fees because of, of the addition on your, your, you know, your evening um, expenses, things like that. You need to be clear on it. Payment of the invoice. And, and a lot of people think that you have to say, oh, payment within 30 days of my invoice. No, 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 no. Get it paid straight away. Invoices say payable on presentation. I don't see why I should give 30 days credit to somebody. Um, and also you need to include an interest provision um, because it's amazing, actually, the number of times that I've had late payers and I literally send an email reminding them of the interest provision and they pay it that very day. Because a lot of times business owners are just busy. You know, it's not that they don't intend to pay your invoice one day. It's just that they've got a lot on and you've, you know, you've not really hassled them about it. So they'll just delay it. So I think having a, a robust contract about payment terms and then having systems in place to follow up are really important. And like I say, if my, my follow up system is um, a day after it's late, I send an email that says just reminding you of the interest provision. And then generally it's paid. Um, but then obviously you would you would have a system that involves um, a, a phone call, maybe another phone call, and then you would escalate it to lawyers or debt collection agencies. And that's the kind of thing we've got in my legal academy. So this is this is kind of extra stuff that goes around the actual terms of business. So what happens if you don't get paid? Well, you go and look at my getting paid checklist that walks you through exactly what you need to do in order to get paid. Um, and also, I mean, the best way to get paid is to package up your services and get paid up front. Um, so, you know, if you can do that, then fantastic. So intellectual property rights. And I was saying, you know, normally that would be a big part of um, a legal protection in your terms of business. Um, and yes, if you've got, um, you know, materials as a bookkeeper that you want to reuse with other clients, then you need to be clear about that in a contract and, and merely provide a license to the client to use that and ensure that there's no question of the intellectual property in that being assigned over to the client. So you would reserve the ownership of the whatever intellectual property rights it is. So they're really the three, the three key legal protections in a terms of business, I would say. They're the three main ones. Can you just, just clarify for me about the intellectual property? So is this if you were creating a specific piece of work for one particular client and then you wanted to use that same way of working or that same spreadsheet or something is that well how that works? Yeah, so if you, if you are creating something bespoke for a client you would have less argument to say that you wanted to use that again with another client not impossible but it would be a negotiation with that client to say um, I'm charging you this amount to do it and that's less than I would normally do that might be the case or not but you can certainly say that it's I'm charging you less because I would like to use this with other clients and get that agreed up front and get that written into the contract. But um, but generally, if you're if you are creating something very bespoke for a client, the expectation would be that the intellectual property rights in that would be assigned over to the client and you would not be able to use it for other clients. So you need to be agreed on that up front. But if it's more so if you've got your own, um, like you say, you've got your own spreadsheets, for example, or your own way of working um, that you're using in the providing the services to the client but you want to be able to reuse that with all your other clients 
then you would need to make it clear in the contract that you continue to own the IP and they're just using it under license. Okay, that's really and, interesting. Again, I hadn't really thought of that before. Okay, and again, it's that's why it's really important to get the right template because trying to do the work, I mean, people really do make a hash of that area. People don't really understand intellectual property rights and assignments and licenses in, you know, they, well, they don't understand it at all in, able to, in order to be able to put the right legal wording in to make sure it all works as it should do. Okay, so so we've got our terms and conditions sorted. How do we make sure that they are up to date when rules and regulations change? So I think that's something, it's easy to just forget about it, isn't it, uh, for a few years? Yes, and um, well, the good news is, is that the law doesn't change that often, really. But like you say, you know, it could be tomorrow and, and um, uh, you have to stay on top of it. And, and again, I mean, that's one of the advantages of being a member of my small business legal academy. And um, we have members that have been with us since, you know, year one, 10 years ago, because the way we structure it, because we recognize the importance of people keeping up to date and how generally difficult it is to do so. So we once people join us, we have a very, very low renewal rate, um, which means that they get access to all of the documents, but ones that are updated, and also importantly, trainings on key areas. So for example, Brexit, Brexit's brought lots of changes, lots of documents have had to be changed, um, particularly in the area of data protection. So, you know, we've done, well now four, four hour long trainings on that, which go out live and we do Q and A's, but then obviously the recordings get put in the uh, video library and people can refer back to those as they need to. So I think it's very important, you know, whether it's me or somebody else to have that trusted source that will keep you on top of things because at the end of the day, you, you know, you're a bookkeeper or, you know, you're, you're keeping up to date with your own um, business. You can't really be expected, well, you are expected, that's the thing, you are expected to keep up to date with with, with the new regulations and change terms and conditions, etc. But you can't, I, I feel you can't do it all yourself. You know, you're not the legal expert and how are you supposed to know? You know, you're, you're not reading every single legal journal like I am. So I really see myself as, as, as a number one, an educator, really. That's my main thing. It's about education and empowerment. And, um, and I like to make sure that I'm on top of everything so that I can then help my community. You know, with GDPR, exactly the same thing. You know, that's why the reason I put so much into that community was I saw that people weren't taking advice and they were literally listening to the person who shouted the loudest in the networking group who knew nothing and whose advice was completely wrong. And I got so frustrated, I heard that a few times and got so frustrated with it, I thought, right. And that's when I formed the Facebook group and committed to posting a video a day, um, et cetera. And we, and we helped you know, many tens of thousands of small businesses get to grips with what was a very complex um, regulation. So yeah, so it, the, the, the easy answer is join my legal academy. Um, the, the more difficult answer is, and I'm, I'm you know, if it's not me, I would make it somebody else, you know, so whether it's if you've got a solicitor who drafts your terms of business, they've probably got some kind of newsletter or something. I mean, a good solicitor, actually, a good for what I do for my one to one clients is when the, an issue comes up that I know is relevant to them, I'm on the phone or I'm emailing them. And that's what if you've got a relationship, a one to one relationship with a solicitor, that's what they should be doing. Um, but if not, then you need somebody to keep you on top of that. So, so yeah. So it's the, so interesting. I say, sorry, it's, the good news is it doesn't change that much, but Brexit obviously has, has meant lots of changes. And I think people are very behind with that. Um, I, I see it. Right. 
I go and look at people's privacy notices and they've not been updated um, properly for Brexit, um, which effectively means that all the information that's being collected and processed since, since the 31st of December, when we officially became a third country, um, is, is being processed unlawfully. So, okay, um, that's a, yeah. that's something for us all to watch out for. And you know, it's it's really interesting, actually, because everything you're saying right now about like a, a legal expert being the person who's done all the training, the person who's up to date, Joe knows exactly what I'm going to say. This is what we try to say to our bookkeepers. And there's so much that we can learn from you because we all of our clients need to realize that about us the same way we need to realize that about lawyers. Like we can't be the experts in everything. People need to outsource the stuff that they don't do well to somebody who really understands it. And uh, and it's so important. And uh, I think the way that you've served the community in terms of uh, providing that legal information is amazing. So, um, I, well, I mean, I'm I'm already sold. So I'm going to go and have a look at the templates <laughs> later. Well, but, well let, me, let me just um, tell you, actually, we have got, and I've not told anybody else this, so this is a, a, um, a scoop for you. We have got a, a Valentine's Day flash sale coming up. So, um, so if you follow me on social media or if you're on my email list, then you will um, get, you know, something that will just, you'll think, right, this is a no brainer. So, so keep your eyes out for that. I'm going to suggest it to my husband for our Valentine's gift in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's, it's called the Love Your Business Valentine's Day pack. Oh, there you go. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I love um, it. I love it. I think it's 43 of my most popular legal templates uh, for £197. Um, which is a massive reduction to what it what it normally is, um, and obviously in there is is the, the terms of business and um, uh, you know everything about protecting your IP, website compliance stuff, um, yeah, pretty much everything that your community is going to need. So, so yeah, follow me on social. There's going to be posting lots on social media. So if you follow me on um, Instagram or um, LinkedIn or Twitter or yeah, you're probably not going to be friends with me on Facebook. So yeah, they're probably the three three best places. That is amazing. I'm really excited. And well, I, how do you make this exciting? But it's like us. We make bookkeeping and finance exciting. So you are like the legal <laughs> version of us, which is fantastic. And, um, I, can and definitely that, I can tell that you do make it exciting. I can just have <laughs> been on this this um, interview with you guys. Um, but yeah, I have loads of people have said that. I don't know how you've made GDPR so engaging, but you have. So and I also should just actually say on that topic, because this is really important for bookkeepers. Um, so I will just also give a quick plug to my book, um, GDPR for Dummies, one of the <laughs> hardest things I've ever done in my life, but um, you know, very comprehensive, 420-odd pages. Um, and the reason that I partnered with the Dummies brand is because I'm all about taking complex regulations and really breaking them down so that anybody can understand them. And that's obviously what Dummies are about too. Um, and that's what this book does. It's very comprehensive, but it's easy to, to comprehend. It's got, um, you know, lots of checklists, lots of little symbols that really help people navigate the book. And I think that if you have a, well, certainly if you're new to GDPR, it's a great starting point. Um, but even if you did the whole GDPR thing when Brexit, well, sorry, when Brexit came, I'm talking about Brexit too much at the moment, when, when, the, when GDPR came in and you maybe got up to speed then, um, I think it's still a very useful um guidance book to have I refer to this nearly every day and I'm an expert in this area so um so I think it's on Amazon at 17 pounds 99 or something like that so I mean it's it's um it's just very good to have on your bookshelf if a situation should arise 
And, and on that point, if you want to talk a little bit about data protection um, obligations for bookkeepers. Um, so uh, you talked before about registering with the ICO. And yes, that's absolutely something that should be looked at. There is a, um, a, a sort of quiz thing on the ICO website that you can answer questions on and it will tell you at the end whether it thinks that you need to register or not. There are limited exemptions. Some people might not need to register. But it's only about, I think it's £40 a year. It, it, they've got a sliding scale depending on the size of companies. But most people are going to be, yeah, I think it's under, anyway, I can't remember the exact threshold. It might be under £5 million or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, and I've just um, I've just paid for it. And if you do it by direct debit, it's 35 So yeah. then as well, it's, 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 not it's done. It's not expensive. It's so annoying because we are the only country in Europe that where there is a charge. So it's very, very annoying that we have to pay. Yeah, we are the only one. The only one that I know of. Nobody's told me otherwise. Oh, look, the sun's coming down now and I'm getting this halo effect. Um, so, yeah, so registration is definitely one thing to think about. And the ICO certainly had a spell of fining people who weren't registered. So better to sort that out sooner rather than later. Um, but otherwise, on data protection, obviously, the main thing to do is ensure that you've got public facing documents um, where you're collecting personal data. So if you um, maybe you've got a sign up on your website, maybe you're list building in some way and you've got a bookkeeper's free guide to whatever and you're collecting data through your website at that point, then obviously you, you need a link to your privacy notice um, and um, to, in order to make people aware as to what you're going to be doing with that data and how you're going to be using it. And we had a question that we had a question last night actually. We ran a, a clubhouse room and we were talking about this. And somebody said to us that they collected a couple of email addresses in exchange for sending out something like that, some kind of uh, document about bookkeeping. And then they wanted to then continue to email that person. And uh, we just had a chat about whether that was okay. We need to tell people like we by collect if you you have to explicitly say it's okay for to stay in well, touch or email. Well, I've got a clever, clever trick here, and um, because we know that you know if you have that usual lead magnet on your website, we all know the aim of the lead magnet is we want to be able to continue to email them about our offers and our services, etc. We don't just want them to take the lead magnet and never never speak to us again. Um, so, yes, you can have that tick box that says, you know, we would like to send you further emails about our goods and services. Um, please tick here if that's OK. We know you're only going to convert a certain percentage of those people who put their email address in. So what I do with my opt ins is I say um, sign up for my newsletter, which includes offers, you know, more details of my services, et cetera, blah, blah. Um, and as a thank you gift, we'll give you this free opt-in, okay? And then you don't need the tick box. You just need the um, name and email address. Um, and if, if they put in their name, uh, name and email address, then they're consenting to that, okay? Well, you don't need that's amazing. That's really good to know. But you've Sorry, got to you were going to say something else before I interrupted you. <laughs> you were going to tell me something else. No, no, well, sorry. I think there's a slight delay. So sorry if I'm talking over you. Um, the ICO have said, and the, sorry, the ICO is the Information Commissioner's Office, which is the regulatory body for data protection in the UK. They have said that it's okay to incentivize the opt-in. 
So for me, and then the example they gave was more of a traditional shop selling clothes, for example. You know, if you sign up to our newsletter, we'll give you 15% off your next purchase. So for me, me saying sign up to my newsletter and I'll give you my free report as a thank you is, is just it's incentivizing the opt-in in the same way. Um, so that's how I do mine. And that's how I've suggested people might want to do it in my book as well. Um, because then you're not losing the conversions. Everybody who signs up for your free report, you'll be able to add to your newsletter list. Amazing, thank you. Um, I think we could probably talk about this all day and keep it fun, but I, we we really appreciate your time and thank you so much for coming and sharing so much with our bookkeeping community. Um, Suzanne, would you like to tell people how they can connect with you and find out very importantly about your Valentine's offer, about how they can stay in touch with you elsewhere? Yes, uh, so my website is suzannedibble.com. There's lots of free resources on there under the, I think it's the what tab, and then we've got a free resources section. So there's all kinds of checklists for various things um, like a social media legalities checklist or a, uh, because that's another area obviously that we haven't, haven't touched on, but if, if bookkeepers are on social media, I think a lot of people think there aren't any regulations around social media, and there are. Um, so if you're concerned about that at all, then maybe going to get social media legalities checklist would be a good option and um, also when bookkeepers are growing and thinking of taking on employees or maybe outsourcing work or using associates there is a checklist on there for employment status I think a lot of people think that you can just decide to call somebody a contractor rather than have them as an employee and obviously that's not the case the law and and particularly the tax authorities will look behind what you've labeled them to the true nature of the relationship and if you've called them the wrong thing and haven't got the right contract in place and you're not paying the employer's taxes that you should be, then there's some very adverse consequences. So that might be something else that, that people want to grab hold of. Um, but otherwise, um, follow me on Instagram. It's Suzanne Dibble on Instagram. Um, Twitter, Law for Online Biz, I think, although I'm not very active on Twitter these days. Um, and yeah, I think the best thing for the Valentine's Day offer is to, because we're not publicizing it anywhere else until Friday, well, Valentine's Day is Sunday, but I'm assuming everybody's not going to be working then. So we're actually doing it as a one day thing on Friday. So two days time. And um, so, yeah, best places to look for that are um, my social media. Or if you sign up for one of my freebies, you'll be on my email list and then you will get an email about it. Suzanne, can I just ask, so if uh, we were to sign up to your academy and access, you know, access what you're teaching, as bookkeepers, obviously people come to us with questions, our, our clients come to us with these questions, even though we they know we're not lawyers, but they just think we are the font of all knowledge. Um, I get so many HR questions and legal questions. Would we as bookkeepers and being part of your academy be able to share the templates with our clients or do they need to sign up separately? Yeah, no, they are for your own business use. Um, and what most people do, because they find the same, that their own clients would benefit. So they sign up as an affiliate um, and then recommend it to their clients. So they're getting a, um, you know, 20% of, of the, um, it will, will go to the, whoever's recommending us basically. Um, and we have, we've just taken on a new affiliate manager actually, because we just, we, we get quite overwhelmed with the number of people who want to actively promote us. Um, and it's, it's generally people who have experienced the product and want to share it with, with their own clients or with other people. And um, so we've just taken on a new affiliate manager called Tessa, 
and she can be reached at partners at suzannedigal.com. So if any of you are thinking of doing that for your own um, clients and you want to benefit from, we also run, you know, we've, we've got a Facebook group, we run competitions and prizes and we have special trainings and things like that. So, um, you know, just even aside from the commission, it's it's worth getting involved anyway for the networking and the, uh, the, the prizes and everything. And plus the fact that you, most people, actually, the main reason is, is that they just think it's the best thing out there and they want to help their community with it. Oh, that's so amazing. Um, I think you're going to get a lot of people signing up and contacting um, contacting you about that. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, I'm going to wrap up now because I think we could keep going all day. But um, thank you so much for your time, Suzanne. It's really nice to talk to you. And you're, you're um, I, I personally could talk for, for hours more. I, I really enjoy sharing these things with people, sadly, sadly as that may be. But it is, I mean, it's, it's important. It's really important. And, mm -hmm. and, and obviously, having worked with, with so many small business owners over the years, I see, I see the, the other side of things when they haven't had the right legal contract in place. And I'm tearing my hair out because I think if only you'd have had that one clause in place, you wouldn't now be in that position. So that's why I'm so passionate about spreading the word and, and just, as I say, encouraging small business owners to be proactive about protecting themselves and educating and empowering people to um, not just protect, put protection in place, but then have those, uh, you know, difficult conversations for example, when, well, actually they won't be difficult because you'll have put the right contracts in place and you'll be, <laughs> boundary settings and things like that but yeah I mean it's, it's a passion and um and and yeah we're just pleased to help any small businesses that we can fab thank you thank um you. we'll be back here next week for another podcast I wish I could tell you who it was I'm gonna get I'm gonna have to learn all of these for every week <laughs> I? so I can say who we got on next week we'll be back next Wednesday for another podcast thanks everyone have a good afternoon bye thanks guys don't forget to join us every week on the Bookkeepers Podcast with Topical Bookkeeping Chat. Why not join our free Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.